right, ladies and gentlemen worldwide, welcome to another edition of Party Life and Music Radio. I am DJ Waheed, and you're about to hear a mix shortly from the one and only DJ FX. Hope everyone is doing great out there tonight. Um, we're on on Tuesdays from 6 to 7 Eastern Standard Time. So um, before we get into the mix, just want to let you know we do have a guest um, in the studio. We'll be talking to her within the next uh, within the next half hour. Her name is Malago Phillips. And she has offered two books, but we're going to get into more of that, what they are, in a moment. So just stay tuned. We'll be right back. Baby, pick a star, any star, baby. 
and my homies is having a barbecue. Before I finish, my whole sentence complete. Yo, she was off the bus, stopping in my passenger seat. And we would slide to the west side, stopped at the stove to get some Boone's Farm, because that make them kick it a little more. And at the spot, you know that chicken was kicking. No pig on the grill, and so the day was chill. But that night, my girl was tipsy and was ready to ski. But I didn't even trip, too busy jocking the summer breeze. Alright, alright, welcome back, welcome back here Again, FX man, you did the thing on that mix, man Oh, I appreciate it, man I hope everybody enjoyed that That's basically how I felt when I was out of town, man In Honolulu, Hawaii, you know what I'm saying? So I just felt just nice and smoothed out, man Alright, that's what's up Well, we're going to have our call-in interview um, within a minute here So um, it is off the Malagua Phillips Yes So we're definitely going to bring her on in a few seconds here So that way... We could just get, you know, get started in a moment, man. But before we do that, man, um, man, look, first of all, man, how is your how is your vacation overall, man? I must say this. At least once in your life, you have to go to Honolulu, Hawaii. If you have never been, that mm. has to be like on the bucket list at some point. I'm telling you, the, the, the weather out there was just gorgeous. I mean, you talking about sun, the beach. I mean, oh, my God. It was just something else. I mean, I was just, trust me, I completely forgot about home. I ain't going to even lie. Completely forgot about it. Love wow. D.C., but I just I just forgot about it. <laughs> well, welcome back. I mean, since you decided to come back here, we're in springtime. It's right. all good, man. <laughs> this is all good, man. But we're going to go ahead, and like I said, we're going to have, we actually got a call on the line. So I'm going to find out who is this. Yes. Caller, welcome to Party Life and Music Radio. Who's calling? Hello? Okay. Well, I thought that was them, so no problem. We're no, going to we'll, go ahead we'll, and... Yeah. We'll get them back. Yeah, no we'll problem. No problem at all. But, you know, we do have a dedicated phone line. We can tell the people what that number is, FX. Yeah, so if you want to call in for any kind of issues, because trust me, we talk about all the issues, make sure you call us at 202 Six five two zero seven zero eight. That number again is two zero two six five two zero seven zero eight. Call us right now. All right. How are you? All right. We got a call hey, around the line. Go. How are Hello, you? This is DJ Wahid on Party Life and Music Radio, along with DJ FX. Hello. Great. Yeah, this yep. is Minagos Phillips. Hey, Milagos, hey, how are you feeling right. today? Good, how are you? Doing great, doing great. 
Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to just take the time out to, you know, give Milagros a proper introduction because um, I, I've known this lady for a long time and she's doing, doing a lot of work. Milago Phillips has been doing this work. She is the author of 11 Reasons to Become Race Literate. Yes. And it is a pocket guide to a new conversation and also the book Eight Essentials to a Race Conversation. It is a manual for, to create new dialogue and specialize in transforming relationships between people of different backgrounds by using a powerful approach that leaves participants empowered and hopeful. How are you doing this evening, Milagros? I'm doing well. Thank you so much. How are you? We're doing great. We're doing great. Well, first off, let's just get right to it here. I want to get started and um, just want to let the listeners know what inspired you to write these two books. Well, I've been doing race work for um, probably about 25 years, <laughs> which is a long time. I was doing race work before it was popular. When everybody else was doing diversity, I was really focused on um, you know, we, we do need to do this diversity work, and we need to do this specialty work, which is race. And so, um, so I've been conducting seminars um, in organizations, in colleges and universities, uh, in churches, in um, communities for a very long time. And, and one of the things that I realized was that part of the, the, the issue uh, with this thing that we call race, is that a lot of us were never taught the proper history, so we don't have the background with which to have a really good transformative conversation. So I, I wrote the first book, 11 Reasons to Become Race Literate, because I wanted it to, to entice people to start doing research, to start mm, really looking yes. at this mm -hmm. history that we never really learned in school. And then I realized uh, through my work, uh, as I was kind of looking at, okay, what has happened during the past 25 years and what has worked and what hasn't? And um, one of the, the things that I realized is that while some people actually do want to have a conversation on race, they get lost. They don't mm. know how to start it. They don't know what to say. They don't know what to do. Um, a lot of the times conversations on race end up being... Um, just really, um, they're, they're strained conversations, and it's difficult to get to inspired action when people are strained. Well, why do so they get realize, lost? I'm just curious, uh -huh. not to interrupt you, but why do they get lost? Well, because for the most part, people don't have enough background information with which to hold those conversations, and so... Mm. So people start repeating themselves and saying the same thing over and over again. You know, they go, oh, I don't want to talk about slavery. Oh, oh, oh yeah, this conversation yeah. that's probably going to be about slavery. And, exactly. you know, and, and there are all these, these other places that we can go. And so people get lost in a loop of repetition when it comes to the issue of race. And so I wrote the second book, um, Eight Essentials to a Race Conversation, as a follow-up to the first book, which is, you know, here are some things, and, and I wrote the first book so people could read it in um, about 45 minutes to an hour or so, maybe an hour and a half, mm -hmm. uh, because I wanted to give people just some, just some quick information, some quick reference stuff that they can refer to if they're having a conversation on race. And so, um, so that gives a little bit of the, of the background, the first book. The second book is, what are the essentials? Like, what is it that people need in order to be able to have these conversations? And 
how do you create a conversation that can actually lead to inspired action instead of dividing people and making them angry and frustrated and feeling like, oh, I don't want to keep teaching white folks the same stuff over and over again. They're never going to learn it. And yeah. <laughs> white folks going, I'm sick and tired of talking about slavery. I wasn't there. My family wasn't even in the country at the time. I mean, like, you, know, you name it. I've heard it all. And then I'm working on a third book, which is the book on healing, because I realized that once people open themselves up to the history, and then they start to have conversations, it's like opening, opening up a wound that's raw. Mm-hmm. And, and so my work has really been looking at how do people heal? How do people heal in a toxic environment? How do people heal um, on, on their own? How do they heal in community and that kind of thing? Long answer to your short question. Gotcha, gotcha. (laughs) Uh, FX has a question for you. Yeah, I just wonder, I'm going to play devil's advocate real quick, if you don't mind. Um, For for those people out there, because I know they're out there, uh, well, just real quick, I actually saw an episode earlier with, uh, with, with, actually with George Jefferson, when they, you know, with, uh, with All in the Family, Archie Bunker. And, you know, this was the first time that George Jefferson has actually met the parents of his son's fiance. And that whole uh, interaction was just comical. But the, at the end of that episode, Archie Bunker basically, basically, you know, just cleaned glasses with George Jefferson. And he said, you know, here's to yesterday, which I thought was a very powerful statement there. And so as devil's advocate, I'm asking, why do you feel that we have to have a better conversation as far as like race and, and that kind of thing. Like where, where, why does my understanding has to be better at this point in time? Particularly at this point in time or just in general? I'm sorry, what was that? No, I'm saying, I should say in general. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason that, that we need the background is because you always, always joke with people in my seminars, and I tell them, you know, when you want to heal, when you go to the doctor because something's wrong, something's off, um, the first thing they ask you, well, I should say the second thing, first thing they ask you for is your insurance card, right? But the next thing they ask you for is your history. You need some type type of historical context, otherwise you're going to be prescribed, you could prescribe someone something that could kill them, okay? Mm. And so what I found in doing this work is that when people actually get good information about what has happened in the past, regardless of the color of their skin, they are then free to take action in whatever way they, are, they, they feel drawn to take action. Mm-hmm. But what the background does is it changes the conversation. Because, um, like for instance, I'll, I'll give you an example. One of the things that I ask people at my seminars, I want you to get a, a picture, and I give them different things. So one of the things that I ask them is I want you to get a picture of a race riot. What does that look like in your mind? And pretty much everybody in in the audience, again, regardless of the color of their skin, um, says, oh, it's a lot of black people destroying their neighborhood. That's pretty much how, how they describe it. Mm-hmm. Say, I say to them, okay, so I want to draw you to, um, to a different place in time, okay? Because a lot of us have seen these images on television, so that's um, what we go with. But the reality is that prior to the civil rights movement, most race riots were actually white people going in and destroying black communities. Mm-hmm. And if yeah. you don't know that, then the image, when someone says race riot, the only image you will draw in your mind is the image that you have seen on television, for the most part. Exactly. And the other part of that is the reality that 
we, you know, because this history um, has rarely, if ever, been told, then people are are drawing conclusions with a limited amount of information. Mm -hmm. And that limited amount of information keeps us trapped. And so, you know, just by opening up people's filters, giving them different information, helping them to look at the world from a different perspective, filling in some of the blanks, what that does is it helps them to connect the dots. So I'll give you another example. Um, There's a a wonderful book which I recommend to to your audience that was written a while ago. It was written in 1999, I think it was. And it's called called Post-Traumatic Slave Syndrome. Uh, And it was written by a woman named Joy Leary, Dr. Joy Leary. And in her book, she talks about um, some of the breeding that went on during um, the times of slavery. Right. And part of that was they would take uh, a young girl, I mean girl, you know, who had just reached puberty, girls 13, 14 years old and so on. And they would take a young man who's just reached puberty and they would have them mate. Mm-hmm. And then they would take that young man because they were trying to get the girls pregnant because part of the reason they wanted to get the girls pregnant was because they were growing a bigger slave population, because remember, each person was worth money. Right. So the more, more uh, people you had enslaved, the, the larger your wealth, okay? Mm-hmm. So they were trying to create a larger enslaved population, and so they would have uh, that young man mate with that, that young woman and to try to get her pregnant, and then they would have him go and mate with another young woman to try to get her pregnant, and another young woman and another young woman. And all of these these people belonged to the system that was enslaving them. Okay? Wow. When you wow. say that mm-hmm. to a young man today or a young woman today, all of a sudden they realize that a lot of what has been happening is the repetition of history. Yes. Without people being aware of it. Yes. Yes. So, again, long answer to your short question, but I hope... <laughs> I, 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 I hope that helped. Oh, no, no, that, trust me, that helped out tremendously, you know, because I've actually had a bit of a conversation in my classroom earlier because I am an educator uh, myself. Mm-hmm. And, wonderful, wonderful. And, and we, and trust me, it's, it's, it was a lot, of, a lot of the history that you basically told to me, like I would relay that, and trust me, the wide eyes I would get in my classroom, mm-hmm. it is unbelievable how that goes. So I'm, I'm so glad. So glad that you basically shed some light on that. Truly glad for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and young people get it. As mm-hmm. soon as you start to paint these pictures and you, t- try, you start to tell them the story, because ultimately no one wants to be enslaved, no. right? No. And no so, <laughs> um, but, but by repeating the pattern, Carson. <laughs> you are being enslaved. You are still being enslaved. Right. Because you've never really healed from the trauma of, you know, the, the you know, some people say 200, 300, but it was actually, uh, in, certainly in this hemisphere, um, it was, it was, it's a 500 year old history that started with the Spaniards and the Castas, which is a caste system and people being brought to the Caribbean. And, you know, like a lot of our young people don't even know that Columbus never made it to the United States, to the continent of the United States. <laughs> exactly, exactly. You know? Oh my God. And so, so it's a lot of history that when you clarify that for people and you give them some sense of what that history is and, and why that history is important, 
then then curiosity kicks in, especially since you're an educator, especially for young people, mm-hmm. uh, because then they start to to become curious about, oh, well, you know, what was that like, you know, um, mm-hmm. and how, how does that pertain to today? Because ultimately, history makes no sense if you can't link it to what's happening today. Oh, and so when we do that for young people, oh, they, they become more interested. Yes. Suddenly the past becomes the present. And the, I think for me, what I've seen, and I'm talking, I, I mostly have, I've worked with some children, but I've mostly worked with adults mm-hmm. on this. Um, the transformation that I've seen in people, I, I do a two-day intensive, okay? Okay. And it had gotten to the point where I could joke, right? I would get the, the most hardcore person in that room, and I knew that by two thirty, they were done. Right, <laughs> you know, they, they were getting it, and they were like, "Oh my god!" You know, uh, because if you take, if you give people good information, you don't have to do anything else. They will make the transformation, oh, yeah. and that's really what this work is about for me. It's about giving people the information. I really believe in people, mm-hmm. and I trust that people can make really, really good decisions. If we give them good information, exactly. but for the most part, when it comes to the issue of race, particularly in our country and pretty much around the world, people have been misinformed because those who could actually write the history had shame around mm. their behavior, mm. <laughs> and so mm. um, you know, so they weren't exactly forthcoming about the telling of those tales. Yeah, Milagos, I, you know, just to let the listeners know, I know firsthand, um, you know, what some of your seminars go and how they flow, um, at least from the ones I attended. And um, it's interesting at times when I walk in there and I meet some of the people who've been to your previous seminars, you know, that my, my, my gut feeling tells me that they're treating me based on the information that you have taught them. So, uh, and, and, and what that means is that... Um, they 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 leave with a a sense of compassion. They leave with a sense of understanding, and with some of them, they actually get it. Um, can you explain to our listeners um, at least um, one of your seminars? And and I'm and I'm referring one to particularly where where everyone had to play a a different role, a different character, and everybody treated them. It was a silent experiment. If you remember which I'm, what I'm talking about. Oh, are you talking about the constellation? Yes. <laughs> ah, oh, that was really powerful, yeah. Yes. Um, so what we did was um, we everyone got, and I did this with a gentleman uh, named Harrison Snow. Right. And Harrison does uh, organizational development. And, um, and so every person was given a uh, something written on a piece of paper, and they had to hold it on their belly without looking at what that was. And they had to kind of feel what what feelings were coming up for them. And it was very powerful for people because um, they started to act out of that um, that piece of paper without knowing what it was. And then at the end, everybody got to look at the paper and go, oh, my gosh. You know, there was one person there who was a physician, and, and you had a really hard time with the, with the process. I remember because what you realized was that, oh, I have all of this stuff, and... Um, that I just don't understand. He was trying to make sense out of it, and that particular program is, is we only did it once, and it's something that, uh, you know, people struggle making sense of it because they didn't know what was on that piece of paper, but they were acting out of whatever was on There was one, one gentleman who got 
um, that that his paper read something like he was an enslaved person on a ship. Right. And, mm-hmm. you know, before he knew anything, he just kept saying, you know, he was sort of getting seasick. He, he, he said, I feel like I have to lie down, and he lay down on the floor. And, you know, it, it was powerful. It was really powerful. And then at the end, he found out that he was um, somebody who was um, an enslaved person being transported. Wow. And, you know, but, yeah, so, so that was powerful. But I have, a, I have a seminar coming up on the 24th and 25th. Yeah, let us know, yeah, please. please. Um, it's, uh, it's part of the, the uh, two-day two intensive, which has cut to a day and a half to, to give people the opportunity to, to just, you know, to come and, and uh, partake of the experience. And so that's on the 24th and 25th, and it's in Adams Morgan. And, um, and, and actually, you might consider coming because we give a discount to educators to, that, to come to that program. All right. Um, oh. And so, um, so I do consider coming on, on Friday. Friday evening, it's, it's 5.30 to 8.30. And then on Saturday, it's 9.30 to 4. And so, um, you know, but I, and I love working with educators because uh, some of the feedback that I've gotten back from educators, particularly uh, K through 12, has been, wow, I, I just don't even uh, teach the same way anymore. And I've had history teachers who didn't know a lot of this history oh, and yeah. have been thrilled to get that information and um, use it with their students, and they give different assignments to their students and so on. So um, it's very powerful. And if you know any teacher friends that would be interested in doing something like that, um, then they would also get a discount to come to the seminar because we I, I really... I have three children. They're all grown now. So, <laughs> but, um, but I know, um, you know, how important education is, and a really good educa- education requires that we know American history, yes. and this is all part of American history. Yes, yes, and I definitely agree, because uh, me being a math professor myself, you know, I do find that I do add a little bit of history into my lessons as well. So I mm-hmm. go anywhere from like basic math to calculus and beyond if I have to. But one particular mm-hmm. class I always have a lot of fun in, and this is a class called Discovery. And what we do in there is everything from like financial, you know, literacy, you know, literacy and everything, you know, knowing how to invest and, you know, save and stuff like that. And so uh, today we actually just talked about stocks, you know, and uh, I can tell you about an instance uh, last semester where the students were so into it that they actually created their own final project because they wanted to learn more about stocks. That's just how they got into it. Because it goes back to what you said earlier about if you give them, you know, good information and they'll latch on to that. And, I mean, they took it and ran with it. I mean, trust me, they were giving me information even I didn't know about. (laughs) <laughs> that's just how, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's how you know you're a really good teacher when your students become your teachers. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, because, I mean, they were showing me, like, templates off of Excel, and I'm saying, man, I didn't know that thing could do that. I was like, okay, you got A's. Trust me, you showed me something I haven't seen before. So, you know, you did your thing. You know, because, again, it was it was a discussion about stocks. I've always been that person that's like, I want to invest, make sure that, you know, I always joke to them and say, hey, and when you get in retirement age, you want to have some money, you know, on hand where you can do anything with. So when they got into that discussion, you know, they said, hey, you know, I want to learn more about this. You know, I've thought about it. And so eyes have been open. Eyes have truly been that's open. Really, it's it's that's even great. Yeah. yeah information that, gives people the opportunity to, to 
free themselves because it gives them choice. Mm-hmm. And um, that is one of the, the greatest gifts that we have, is our ability to, uh, to choose. Yes. And when we don't give people good, good information, we take away that right from them. Yeah, and, would, you yeah. know, so giving that back is very important. But, uh, yeah, if you, if you and some of your colleagues and, and our listeners are interested in coming to the program, um, they can they can find my uh, email. I read my. They can go to my website, which is milagrosphillips.com, and it's M I L A G R O S. Phillips is P H I L L I P S. Okay, and um, mm-hmm. that dot com. Milagrosphillips.com. <laughs> and um, and there's information there about the seminar, so they can always call me, and the number is three zero one. Three three two five seven eight two. That's three zero one three three two five seven eight two. And um, I can, you know, give them information, and they can also look it up on Eventbrite because it, the seminar is listed on Eventbrite, and it's on March twenty fourth, starting at five thirty p.m. to eight thirty, and then on, on Saturdays is the second part. And uh, over time, I I've been doing that particular seminar since. Uh, 2002, mm-hmm. 2001, 2002. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I'm still doing the same seminar because people find it so powerful. So very, very powerful. Um, and really is uh, life transforming. All right. I have a question, Milagros. Um, in reference to your two books, how do you feel that it's going to help people dealing in the political climate that we're in right now, especially with Donald Oh yeah, in in, in office. Excellent I, I, question. Yeah, how, how would it help um, people who would say, "Hey, how's this going to help me cope with everything that's going on right now?" Yeah. So, um, you know, as I said, the first book is about history, and when we understand history and and we get a handle on um, what happens with internalized oppression and internalized superiority. Uh, we're able to understand things from a completely different perspective. Um, the second book on how to have a conversation, right now people need to be speaking to one another about all the issues that are on the table. And they especially need to be speaking about race because, you know, we're seeing all this um, anti-Semitic um, mm-hmm. um, behaviors and um hate crimes are up and all those kinds of things and so we need to be communicating with each other and creating community yes so that um people can um you get to know each other better get to know your neighbor get you know and and those kinds of things so um so the second book can really help with that and then the third book that's coming out in a couple of months can really be helpful to people if they want to heal if they want to transform from the inside out and um and that is, is particularly important right now because a lot of people felt hurt and deceived and are frustrated after oh, the election, wow. and yes. <laughs> um, they're, they're, they're looking for something different. They're looking for a new way of being. And, you know, while we work on the outside, you know, join, join um, uh, political uh, movements and do all those kinds of things, those things are, are extremely important. But it is just as important for people to do the inner work, which is really looking at themselves, because sometimes we collude with systems that are dysfunctional, 
because yeah. we don't know that we're doing that. Right. And once we learn that we're doing that, then we have choice. Mm-hmm. And so the books can really help people in looking at, you know, what what is this history and why is it important? I mean, um, you know, there's some some of the um, the chapters in here talk about, um, you know, African-American history is American history, because um, very often African-American history gets treated like an extracurricular activity, and something that that we we can choose to take or not take, when in reality, that's part of the problem. Mm -hmm. If people understood that history, we would have less of a problem. Nothing would cure it, but we would have less of a problem because there'd be a greater understanding of what's going on. Um, another chapter, and this is the 11 reasons to become race literate. Another chapter is racism is expensive. Mm-hmm. People don't realize that racism lowers the gross national product and the gross domestic product mm-hmm. um, by a large percentage. You know, 2 3%, it, that's, that's a lot of money. And so, oh, yeah, right. um, you know, so people need to, to understand that, um, you know, race is America's moral dilemma. I mean, you know, when you are um, when you are somebody who is uh, espousing, uh, you know, um, things like um, equality and fairness and justice for all, when in reality only a percentage of the people receive that justice, something's wrong. Yeah. And so, you know, people created all kinds of ways to justify being somebody who was talking about freedom while holding people in in um, in, you know, in enslaving people, right. and you know, so those kinds of dichotomies and that caused cognitive dissonance. People needed a way to to um, to try to uh, balance that, and the ways that they did that was they made up stories that were not true about certain groups of people in order to be able to justify their behavior. Yeah, it's like what they're doing so, today. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that, those are some of the, the chapters in in, um, in the book about eight essentials to a race conversation. There, I, I talk a little bit about history there as well because, again, I just think it's so important. But I also, you know, I tell people we, we break down the conversation into the telling and the listening and, and, and uh, questioning and processing and those kinds of things and then um, and explain what those things are and what they look like. But... Um, one of the things that I haven't have in here is creating a vision, because so often when you ask people, so what does it look like? What does it look like to be live in a world without racism? And, what and the thing about like? that is too, <laughs> yeah, right. And the funny thing you about that, answer. yeah, people mm-hmm. people who are in control of, let's just say, said control of resources, they're not going to unfortunately give a lot of people that power to do that, you know, to mm-hmm. to, to live, let's just say, Dr. King's dream, you know, right, being yeah. on the mountaintop. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Um, I definitely want to say, because we are running out of time, unfortunately, yeah, but unfortunately, we definitely want to have you back one, on the ooh, show. This, because, <laughs> yeah, this is a conversation that needs to be talked about um, and it affects everybody, not only here in the nation's capital, but nationwide and globally as well. 
um, because there's too many instances out there of people exercising racial prejudice and, and, and control over other people that we can get into on the next time we bring you on the air. Because I, I definitely want to preface, you know, with the quote-unquote ethnic cleansing that has been going on mm-hmm. in, the, in the Dominican Republic. But mm-hmm. we're going to talk about that the next time we have you on the air. Now, Malagos, sure. just one minute. Thank you. Yeah. I do want to say one more thing, which is if yeah, people are interested in the book, they can get it yes. on Amazon. Both yes. books are available on uh, Amazon. Yeah, okay. They can get them as um, an electronic book as well as a soft cover book, a paperback. Okay, I know. I got the soft cover. I, yes, I want to so know, know where to get those from because, trust me, I'm going to order me a couple of, probably like five or ten copies because, trust me, I might have to pass those out because those, those need to be read like right away. <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Right. And, again, if you would like a scholarship, please call me. Um, mm, Boyd has my number, and yes. I just gave it out so that uh, because educators really could benefit from this information. Yes. 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 Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you, Milagros, and uh, we'll be thank having you. you back, okay? Great. So I'll give Love it up it. for Milagro Phillips. Yes. <laughs> oh, man, great information, great information. Love that. Loved it. Oh, man. Well, man. Man, that's, wow. We, we got to have her back on because... Oh, she's going to be back this, on. This is not a, a conversation that we could just sum up in about 40 minutes. You're right. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> Trust me, we, we, this could be like another hour, two hours about that one. Yeah, but um, oh, I man. definitely want to thank the listeners out there for yes. supporting us. I also want to thank um, Spontaneous and the PLM team. Oh, I, big I want to thank yeah, Sheber. I want to thank DJ Yellow. I want to thank Bliss. And I also want to thank James Acevedo, a.k.a. Yankee Man 1973. So, Much love to y'all. Yeah, so oh, as far we got as some I know, things. that is Boy, the PLM team. Thanks. for right now so um you know thank y'all for your support and um we'll be back on next week i'll be on the ones and twos next week yes. and um fx any shout outs before we break well definitely shout out to the plm family yo y'all been holding us down for a while but of course before we go i got to give the dj tip of the week oh i thought i was gonna do that oh you want to do that oh my bad oh no that's yeah. okay but i'm, I'm a, <laughs> look djs we are in a time where we use regular vinyl or yes. DVS um, now digital you know control systems vinyl systems DVS and it is important that when you are working on your promo mixes make sure that you tag your mixes yes because the importance of tagging and ID in your mixes is an opportunity to let people know where you're at and where you work at yes so that way you won't run into any opportunities of people trying to bootleg your stuff yep. and claim it as their own right so that's the <laughs> DJ tip of the day you're working on mixes I don't care what format whether it's vinyl or cds yes if you work with a laptop or any type of system please tag your mixes yes and let people know where you at yes all right all right we'll go with it let's do it <laughs> all right y'all so this is dj waheed dj fx we are party life and music radio signing off and we'll be back next week y'all peace plm baby